get my nom 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 on with the my top chicks and we will eat on eat on the weekly dish This is the weekly dish. Welcome back for the second hour. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't ready actually, but I'm I'm glad you're here. Get with it, Stephanie. I know. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm reading. It's not things. like you're new here. I know. I am new here. This is uh, <laughs> this is Molly Herman joining me today. You guys, Hanson is, I believe, driving the Wonder Bread van. Is it working? I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little worried about them with the storms and everything else. I think they're going to Wisconsin to see a concert. I feel like they're going to Bayfield. Okay. I don't know. But they're going to go see a concert. They're driving the Wonder Bread van. I'm hoping that they're safe and, and uh, secure. And, and I hope you guys are all out there. The storm is moving through. Um, our, I think I think they're going to kind of puddle through all day. So it's a good day to sit and cook and eat and read your magazines and listen to your radio programs. Yes. Like the Weekly Dish. But guess what it's time for? It's time for Top 2 and Hour 2. Oh, or not. <laughs> Hit it. I know. Sunny. Sunny. Top two. There we go. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. All right, this is the time where we pick two things that we are kind of loving or mildly obsessed with this week. Uh, a couple of things. What are you feeling? What's your first one? I don't know if you were aware, but, you know, yesterday was a hot one. <laughs> was and, it? Yeah, it was pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit later about that. But I had last night, we went to Grand Cafe. Yeah. They're, and I, I've always been one of my favorite dishes, but their chilled and poached seafood platter. Yeah. Was perfect last oh, night. Like, it was exactly what you wanted. Like, yeah. it was filling. It was protein. It was beautifully chilled. So and what's just, on there? Like, I mean, what is that? There's shrimp. There were mussels. Uh... It, it changes, you know, with whatever there is in season and then they can get um, that's the freshest. There was some lump crab, um, some little potatoes. There were some lobster. There was a lobster tail and a claw. Yep. There was, I think that's probably about it. But um, they also had like three sauces. So they have a, you know, house-made cocktail sauce. They had a bacon aioli and a lobster aioli. Yeah. I could have just eaten the lobster aioli on everything it was just delicious yeah yeah and so the potatoes and the crab and the lobster aioli that was like oh and it was all perfectly chilled and so last night it was perfect wow wow with some bubbles of course with some bubbles i love i love the idea of it being uh, you know it's funny i had some crab legs at a friend's house a couple of weeks ago, and it was like, I, for, I, I never make crab legs at home, and yeah. I barely ever order them, but I love them, and they're delicious. But I, I see them in the case, and I don't think about buying them, and, and that's kind of silly because it's great because you could do a quick cook. It doesn't take long to cook them. Right. It's a quick cook, and then you can have them chilled, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about you know ideas for a no-heat kitchen and uh, in a little bit, but that's one of those great things. that You forget about how chilled seafood can be. Because it's like a good protein. Yeah. You know, it, it, it makes it filling. And yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was the perfect thing for last night. Oh, I like that idea. Um, okay. So I'm going to tell you guys that I made, I know we've talked about ice cream a lot this summer. <laughs> 
I'm kind of on an ice cream bend again. Sounds like, like I it. go through those phases where like now my ice cream maker is getting used. I didn't. I don't know if I touched it last year. Good thing you didn't get rid of it. I know. No, I would never get rid of it, but I would just let it gather dust. <laughs> but uh, this year I did make Nutella ice cream. Ooh, I know. AJ would love to taste that. I, uh, now that he can eat hazelnuts. Yeah, right. Oh, he can? Yep. He oh, just got tested. Cleared. Yeah. Okay. There, Nutella. Uh, so Nutella, uh, this is what I did. I did the base, which is on the weekly dish facebook page Mm -hmm. you know which is really simple six egg yolks one cup sugar one cup cream one cup milk you know whole milk and like the whole way you make that go together and make a custard then i let as i was letting the custard kind of cool after i had you know kind of cooked it i put in a whole small jar of nutella a whole (laughs) small jar that was maybe my well okay so i started with just like half the jar and i kind of put a little bit in there and you stir it around and you because you got to whip it and it got it has to kind of melt into the custard Um, and I whipped it, whipped it, whipped it. And then I was like, God, I, I feel like it should be more. And then I put in more. <laughs> and by the end, it was an entire small jar of Nutella that went into the custard. And then I churned it. And I also don't think that I churned it long enough. Okay. So in the machine. Um, so it wasn't like super frosty is my point. So I put it into the jars. I put it into the fridge in the freezer but what i'm gonna tell you is that it actually came out with kind of a soft serve feel to it nice and i was actually happy because about that. of the emulsification that the nutella had yeah, already already like it had that it has that silkiness that yeah. would so it blend was, into the ice cream yeah and i thought that was an idea that maybe if you're looking if you're having a trouble with like super hard ice cream you know or maybe mm-hmm. the crystallization factors are bugging you this would be an interesting way to, i might try it again with a little less of the Nutella just to see, but it was, it was like soft serves that you're scooping out of a jar. So it wasn't like unfrozen. It just had a really great consistency. So what kind of ice cream maker do you have? I have a Cuisinart that has the compressor there. Yep. And I just saw, um, I I asked this question because Heartbeat Kitchen, Amanda Mm Pah, had posted something about what she uses for her ice cream maker. She has the attachment, um, for her KitchenAid. Oh, you Uh, just have to freeze your bowl then. Yeah. You have to freeze your bowl. And then, and it is an ice cream bowl that you get. Um, at the kitchen, we have a Breville ice cream maker and, oh, yeah. we, and we do utilize it like in an hour, hour and a half time span for some of our classes Yeah, and it, it works, but yeah, the longer you can churn it, the better. Do you have, does your Breville, like you have to freeze the bowl or does it have the compressor too? No, it has the compressor there. So that it, you, you just have to plug it, it in and turn it, it on. It's small. It's like a quart. Yeah. But you don't have to like freeze it and bring nope. it out. Okay. Nope. Cause that's the it's difference. Whole, it's I think. a whole machine. If you're not ready, like that's the thing that I loved about this ice cream maker mm-hmm. is that it's sort of, you can just do it. It doesn't, right. You, you can have, have to have spur the prep. moment. Yeah. You can have it go. Okay. What's your second one? My second one on the other end of the spectrum from our chilled seafood platter. Yes. Um, Last week, I we braise pork a lot, or I do at home, and usually I go the carnitas route. Yeah, and for some reason, I was just like, you know, I want a little different flavor profile. Da, da, da. So I grabbed a bunch of herbs that were going to seed after we had gotten back from vacation, like a ton of cilantro <laughs> and um, rosemary and oregano. Uh, sliced up some lemon and added capers and onion and roasted or braised a pork that way. Yeah, and it was delicious the lemon was so good in there like i probably Ooh. sliced wait where did it you put half it in lemon herbs yeah half a lemon slice yeah and uh capers a good maybe tablespoon or two of capers in but in you're saying onion. in a pot or in a in a pot with the pork to okay. braise yeah so with a with a pork shoulder or pork butter whatever i didn't you know I, I missed that i sorry i couldn't if you were doing like a crop Pay attention pot. to me stephanie I know, I'm, it's like my i have to do other things <laughs> Anyway, it was delicious. It was a different profile than I usually make. And it was something that, like, 
was more um what's the word I'm summary? looking for? Some it was more summary yeah. and it was you could do more things with it. Okay. Versatile. That's the word so I was did looking you, for. Was Versatile. it a slicey roast situation or was it no, a pull? It was a braise. It was a pull. Okay, so you did pull it. But I did pull lemons and Yeah, and the lemon was so good with it. And the capers added just enough like extra tang of salt to How it. How long did you cook it? It was about three hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh so yeah, do, like throw whatever herbs you want in there, but that but the lemon sliced up and some capers in there with whatever you're braising. And it is a nice summery addition. We did. Uh, well, I mean, and that's the thing is like, I don't I, I know that we tend to think of pork up here as like barbecue or you like you rub it with like brown sugar and spice and like you make it sort of like, I don't know. People are always like thinking of pork in terms of like, you know, big, heavy sauces. And for me, I always go rub my, you know, pork shoulders with um Oregano and garlic, mm-hmm. you know, and like mm-hmm. orange juice. More like Mediterranean. Yeah, and... it's, you know, sort of Cuban, if yep. you you know what yep. I mean. Um, and so that's kind of, I've, that is like a perfect, that what you're saying, it sounds like a really good, yummy, it was delicious. delicious thing. And then did you just eat it by itself or what did you eat it with? Um, I did it on a bunch of different things, but it worked for tacos and nachos equally as well as it would work like with some rice or on a salad. And it just had that really versatile profile to it and a little bit lighter tasting because of the lemon yeah and i've made it with orange plenty of times but orange it orange just has more of that round flavor and the lemon really perked it up yeah um i would say the funny thing is is that is a perfect segue into my second one which is non bistro Mm. and i was sitting at their bar and they had pho braised pork tacos oh nice. so they had taken you that thing same idea as you with the pork and they had braised it in pho broth Uh so it was really just like cinnamony and aromatic in a way that not normal that normally braised taco you know pork braised in your taco doesn't really carry sure it had a total sense of it like I fully got the the fuss sense of it and I would have never thought about tacos at non bistro I know this is the <laughs> other thing this is so that's why they're kind of my favorite right now is like uh, non bistro is of course uh, the uh, the v- French Vietnamese mm-hmm. really placed down on University not too far from where we are now. Um, and uh hi who is the guy you know who's the owner he's uh he's been at it for a long time you know what i mean non is not like yeah i know like 12 years old i don't know i'm not quite sure i can't remember but it's a great little space it's bright yellow and it's friendly inside has sort of that frenchy feel french vietnamese feel but they have some of the best pho and he uses local ingredients he's got a great little bar out back Mm-hmm. A little patio bar set up. That's kind of awesome. But the bar inside is like, they've got stacked of vinyl. They've got, you know, vintage glassware. It just doesn't feel, it just feels like really organically grown. You know? Yeah. I mean, the entire space. It's been a while since I've been there, but I they used to be open for lunch. Are they still open for lunch? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's I was a, there it's a great like lunch spot, too. Two in the afternoon, you know? Yeah. And it was sort of like, that was great. And we, um, and they have, uh, they have a new whiskey that he's doing with Jay Carver uh, that he, that. and he's, what's really interesting. He, we talked about it and he was saying how he's, they're doing the whiskey, but he's blending the barrels. So he goes out and he tastes different barrels and then blends them, mm. which is a very, I mean, in Japan, it's like, it's not about the distillers of the whiskey. It's about the blenders. The master blenders are the ones who make the whiskey and it, what it is. And mm-hmm. so really interesting what he was talking about. And so his, the first batch is different from his second batch, which is out now. But they are having a pig roast on Tuesday, by the way, if you want to head out to Non Bistro and discover this. It's called The Wrath of Khan, and Khan <laughs> awesome is his kid, yeah. you know, and there's a picture of his kid with bedhead on the bottle. So that's awesome. <laughs> so there it is. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. 
When we come back, we are going to continue to talk about cooking in the hot, hot kitchens and how you can uh, master this heat wave. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I'm Steph March. I'm here with Molly Herman, by the way. Good morning. Um, Molly is a professional chef. She has done uh, cooked in kitchens all over the place. She, of course, has her own kitchen at Kitchen in the Market in the Mm -hmm. Midtown Global Market. And tell me about what it's like when it's hot. In a professional kitchen. Let me start with saying that yesterday we did something we've never had to do before. Which is? We canceled a class due to heat. Really? A cooking class. We've canceled because of snowstorms, but never because of heat. Interesting. It was so hot in the kitchen. And, you know, it it gets hotter as the day goes on, and that's dinner service time. Um, It was so hot. And if you are... Um, Wait a minute. How hot was it? Okay. <laughs> Just had to do that. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're an employee in the kitchen and you're used to it, that's one thing. But these are guests that were coming in and paying for an experience. And we hadn't even turned on the ovens and stuff. And they were already like, Whew. oh, really? Like it would have, it could have been dangerous. Yeah. There, we had a woman that was eight months pregnant. And I was like, mm. Mm. so we took a little vote when everybody got there. And they was, said they would come back another time. Yeah. Reschedule a refund. I, we've never had to do that before, but that is how hot it was. And we're, we're in an open market space. Too, yes. So I can't even imagine how uh, some of those other kitchens and, and food trucks fared last night. It was brutal. Well, and I was going to say, you guys, like I was looking, I was downtown yesterday working at the office and there's always food trucks right outside my building. And we look, I go to my to my Shelly's desk and I look out the windows and I'm like, okay, this is, uh, there's a, who am I going to go eat for lunch today? Right. And I, I, I just kind of thought there would not be that many out there because it was just so, I just felt so bad for them. I couldn't imagine sitting inside a small encapsulated space outside mm-hmm. and, and have cookers and fryers and everything else going. And it is a real concern, especially in food trucks. We yeah. know somebody that um, their team got a uh, heat stroke last year yeah. because it was so warm. Yeah. So, you know, you have to make sure that you're taking breaks. You're um, letting people have more regular breaks. Yeah. Get outside of the truck and get some, you know, get some fresh air and all that kind of stuff. Walk into the cooler if you got a walk-in cooler in the kitchen. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Well, you know, and of course, we in our own homes have the same issues. You know, a lot of people, there are people who live in apartments that don't have AC. Mm-hmm. I don't have, you know, central air. I do have, you know, located window units that are great. But we all know, like, I don't want, there's no chance with my window units that I'm cranking up the stove. My stove is also super inefficient, and I can tell. I mean, it heats. It's great in the winter. It's great for Minnesota because I usually sometimes bake things to keep my heat, you know, to warm up my house. But I'm not using it right now. And one of the things uh, that is great is, and get ready for it, it's the Instant Pot. (laughs) I got to tell you. I'm saying I it. thought we were going to get through a whole two hours without talking about the Instant Why Pot. Why would not. we? Why would we? I, I we have know. thousands of people who are interested. <laughs> and plus, um, all y'all who bought the Instant Pot on Prime Day. That is a huge purchase on Prime Day. Is it? Which was last week. The Instant Pot sells out on Prime okay. Day. So a lot of you may have known someone who got a, uh, an Instant Pot or maybe you're dialing in for the first time. Let me tell you, don't sit on it and wait and think you're going to first of all let's take the fear out of it you don't it's not going to blow up your house up and second of all this is the perfect time i know hansen tends to use hers for like braises like cooking you know like bigger things yeah meals i'm just saying i have used it every single night it's sitting on my counter where in the most times it's under you know in in a cabinet Mm -hmm. i have been doing chicken breasts because i don't even want to go outside and grill i can't Mm -hmm. stand outside and have the grill working on me so i've been taking frozen chicken breasts throwing them in there 10, you know, 20 minutes for frozen, 10 minutes for fresh. That's it. And, it, and of course, it heats up. It takes about seven minutes, mine does, to heat up or mm-hmm. to, to get to pressure. But there's zero heat going in my kitchen. 
So I I bought a jar of uh, of tikka masala sauce. Yes. And I was making. I mean, there's like tikka masala chicken over rice, and I there was only my burner for the rice. That was all that was used. That's like, awesome. I know. So like full meal, hot meal, and you do your you do eggs in the instant pot too. Right? I do the- so many eggs in the instant pot, and that's another thing that is like. Uh, because then you can do a bunch and they you can use yeah. them over yeah, so then you egg salad if like else. one cool day if you want you know like well i mean that's the other thing for cooking in hot kitchens if there's one if it starts to get cool and you can use your stove to do something batch and then that way you can you can use your microwave if you need to or if you can you know mm-hmm. kind of do things later that's good but the egg thing on the instant pot is is a great also in the summer when it's that super hot i'm not looking for bigger meals anyway right do you find that i mean yeah, I mean, a lot more vegetables and a lighter meal. Like I said, the chilled seafood platter, that was perfect last night because it was lighter. It right. wasn't like this big whole thing. Right. Yeah. And so I honestly, I've been making salads that have uh, that have the eggs as your protein. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I have, you know, like a big toss of spinach and arugula. And then I throw in, you know, sometimes I throw in some pumpkin seeds, too, for a little mm-hmm. bit of protein. But then a couple of eggs and you know, veggies, just avocado and tomato and all the good stuff. I love that. I do that sort of like cob salad without all the meat, but yeah, same sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of idea. Um, what, so the other noodle salads, I love noodle salads. Oh, and so cold noodles, this is a big thing right now. Cold noodles. Um, even in the ramens, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the ramens, the ramen shops, uh, a lot of them are doing the tukamen, which is the dipping noodles so that you're not having a whole bowl of soup. Mm -hmm. Your noodles tend to be cold and you kind of dip them into the broth to give them that, that they still give the flavor and like the, the wetness of, but the cold noodle thing, I think it's kind of a cool new thing. I mean, well, well, and I love cold sesame noodles. Yeah, you know, and you can put lots of vegetables with what that. What kind of noodles? When we're saying that, what are you buying? So I'm uh, because I'm gluten free. I'm buying like rice noodles or rice. There's a rice ramen right. out there at the co-op that's really good. Um, you can use like a vermicelli and you know, like an angel hair type wheat pasta if you want. You could even you, use you guys, and you can buy ramen. You know, you can mm-hmm. buy the ramen packets and then cook them and then just chill them afterwards mm-hmm. too. United Noodle has the best ramen. They have Sun Noodles. Sun noodles are the best ramen in town, and for me, because they are gluten full. But there are some uh, chefs in town that love the the instant ramen that they have at United Noodle. They'll buy it by the case. Yeah, like the instant sun noodle ramen. Yeah, yeah, that's I have that stuff. Particular flavors that they're very attached to the tonkatsu. Yes, Uh, and there's yeah, but there's just sort of that idea that um, when it's too hot for ramen, you can make a noodle salad and still get all your flavors in. Like I take the noodles, put them on a plate. You know, and then throw the chicken in and then maybe throw radishes and cucumbers and then hit that all with sesame oil and hot sauce. And I think, you know, Asian flavors really lend itself to cooler dishes and and for warm weather. Right. So you have lots of cilantro and lime and chilies and, you know, they they work really well as giving a lot of flavor in a cold dish. Uh, The Thai people know this. You know what I mean? Like, this is the There's a reason. (laughs) Have you been if you've been to Thailand, which I was lucky enough to go many years ago, it is hot as blazes and like there is no cooling, but there everybody's out and everybody's hanging out and they're eating this kind of very freshly flavored things that are not so labor intensive, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a really great thing. Oh, okay. yeah, go to High High, everybody. Yeah, they, actually, they have some great uh, salads. And- yeah, and also, also, this is the thing: is like doing a steak. Like if you do like one steak and you do it, you know, like when it's and then you can like have it cold sliced. That's yeah. one of my favorite things to do Ooh, too. With blue cheese. Oh, <laughs> I love that. 
All right. Man, I always get so hungry on this show. I know. That's the best deal. So I'm going to put a couple recipes up for cold buckwheat noodles and, you know, some like cold ramen with steak and sesame ginger dressing, some salads and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and then also just to remind you, you guys, you know, if you are new to the Instant Pot, you can join the Weekly Dish Instant Potters. And it's right there. It's on our Facebook Um it's linked up. The group is, and it's a great space for if you're new, you can scroll through and look at uh, a lot of the different uh, articles that are there. There's a couple things uh, that we've put up there as like some great starter, you know, tips, some some things like that. Um, starting with chicken, starting with eggs, you know, doing a pork uh, shoulder is an easy, quick thing mm-hmm. to do too. Um, but now you're going to add lemons and capers. And now I'm going to add lemons and capers. <laughs> Am I going to instant pot those? I wonder. I don't think Why I put not? the capers in. Maybe I would put the Why capers because I want to eat the capers. And if there was pressure cooking them, they may not. No, I can't because it, it really adds to the flavor. That's of the true. Pork. That is a salty so thing. Maybe I'd put some and then I'll eat some more later. There you go. Okay. That's a win. All right. Uh, so we are going to put that up for you guys. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we want to talk about fundraising. And specifically, we have a great fundraiser that's happening tomorrow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Uh, hopefully, it looks like it's a little bit lighter out there. Is I'm it? Just, I'm just, I'm noticing that the hurricane hasn't, hasn't, you know, alighted. So we're okay so far. Um, if a hurricane is up here, we're in trouble. Then we're in big trouble. <laughs> Different problem. Big trouble. Hey, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that's going down tomorrow. Um, there's a fundraiser for uh, restaurants. First of all, let's just couch this in the fact that restaurants, you know, as as a group, give a lot of time and food and gift cards to a lot of different charity functions across the, you know, just across the whole Metro. And if you think about it, if you've been to any kind of charity function, there is a food component. I mean, Mm -hmm. rare is the one that doesn't have some chef standing at a table offering you samples or a silent auction with, you know, a tasting dinner, you know, donated. Those are all donated. Yeah. Yeah. So this is all these restaurants are doing that to give to the cause, whether it's the Liver Foundation, Share Our Strength, you know, Fighting Hunger, Fighting Cancer, all of these things. So, and that's a worthy, worthy thing. But sometimes when the industry, uh, when when someone in the industry is hurting, they don't necessarily have, you know, it's not like there's a foundation for the industry to support our own. Right. And so what I love the fact is that they still step up for their own. In mm-hmm. fact, they do it in a pretty big way. Uh, and so what we have here is tomorrow at Travail, uh, we have a Gabby's Got This benefit. And this is uh, the Travail Collective in the Twin Cities restaurant community is starting a benefit party in support of Matt and Heidi Brown's family. And Matt uh, Brown is Matt and Heidi Brown are both uh, restaurant people. Mm-hmm. Matt's brother, Mike Brown, is the um, one of the owners. Travailian. Yep. And, and, and Matt was a. A guy at Pig Ate My Pizza for a long time, mm-hmm. and he now owns a place called Estelle's down in um, in Harmony, Minnesota. So they're still restaurant people. Their daughter was diagnosed with AML leukemia at one year old, and uh, they have been fighting for her life ever since. Mm-hmm. And this is a benefit that is, benef- you know, like a bunch of the cooks and everybody else was talking about, like, what can we do about this? And like, oh, you know, they want to do something, but we often feel so helpless. So they have thrown together this giant, giant party, and they basically put a call out to all their chefs and said, hey, does anybody want to does anybody want to come help? And the response was nuts. It's a it's a good lineup. It's an amazing lineup. Not only like Gavin Kaysen's going to be there cooking, and Kim's going to be there cooking. Um, you know, Christina from Ola Repa is going to be there. Tim McKee's going to be there. 
you know, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Pyrito boys, uh, Centro, they're all going to be there cooking food. And which was great because the tickets have sold out. And so people are going to be able to go and sample and get some of this food and the tickets are already gone. But what I wanted you to know, and this is important for you guys out there who are listening is that they do have an online silent auction going and it's already started and they basically have uh, items that are going to go through tomorrow night. So it started on the 18th and the end is July 21st at noon. So tomorrow, so tomorrow at noon, I guess is when, cause today's the 20th, right? No, wait, hello. Today's the 20th. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So it ends on the 21st at noon. So does that mean then if whoever is at the event tomorrow, can I think there's still different bid. Yes, on- there are still silent auction items there, but this okay. this is a different situation. So what? But you have the ability to to bid on these on these parts um, online. And- and I got to tell you what some of the things are because I want you guys to bid. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's so many great items. For instance, you can uh, bid on a brisket barbecue feast for eight with the Minnesota Barbecue Company. Like you can have a whole brisket barbecue feast. And uh, it's currently the current bid, which is really nice, is $880. But if you think about that with eight people, mm-hmm. all that kind of good stuff. Um, you have, you can bid on a chef's tasting menu and, uh, with Eric Harsey up at Willard's. We've all talked about how great that is. I know he's got, he's throwing up a tasting menu for six guests and they have a great kitchen table up there. That's there. That's up for bid. Um, you can bid on, um, custom cakes from Angel Food Bakery. Uh, you can do that. That's kind of a nice one too. You can order. It looks like there's a work with pastry chef Katie to create custom designed two tiered cake. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. What are some of the big ticket items? Um, so here's a big ticket item for you. Uh, do you know that you can bid to have lunch for two with Andrew Zimmern at his house? At his house, at his private kitchen, well, his private kitchen studio. Oh, so private kitchen the stu- studio. The I was studio, say, why would he do that? At yeah, his where they have all. I mean, there's yes. some super fans out there who are kind of been dying to get you yeah. know in res in 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 sort of hanging out with him. And I will tell you that it is the current bid is two thousand five hundred dollars, um, but it is a six thousand dollar value. So mm-hmm. you're still getting it for less than you know if you were bidding on it. The next bid will uh, be a three thousand dollar bid, but you can bid on that, or companies could bid on it, you know, and and have that as a reward. And it all goes to help Gabby because. They're, they're having to goes. go out of state for treatment now, aren't they? Yes. Is that the mm-hmm. uh, the next phase of yeah. her, her treatment? Yeah. There's yeah. I mean, there's great things like a tour, drinks, and dinner at Fulton Brewery for six, and uh, you know that's that's like uh, I think that's the current bid for is 150 bucks for that. That's a great deal. Um, but there's a lot of great stuff, and there's I just really want you guys to kind of look through there. Uh, the the in home dinner with for eight with Jorge Guzman who was in town and then he went to go uh, what was it the lacrosse distilling mm-hmm. and uh, he's gonna do a cook he's gonna do an in home dinner in your home I think for eight people talented guy I'm just saying that's Delicious gotta be food. a Oaxacan dream yes and here's the and there's a home cocktail class oh that one sounds like who's a doing good the one. cocktails uh, with Bitter Cube oh, an in home cocktail class with Bitter Cube is both. Scary and delicious and fun. <laughs> like that one is a really great one. But of course, what we're going to talk about is the one that you should be bidding on is the burger crawl with Steph March. Woo! I'm just telling you right now that I'm putting this out here. The burger queen. The burger crawl with Steph March includes uh, you and me and a couple of your friends. 
And you are going to, we're going to kind of plot it out and it'll be dependent because there's a lot of burgers and we're going to have a discussion of which burgers are the ones to hit. Most important to try for that, for whoever is the winning bidder. Right. I'm going to work with you to figure out what, if you want to do an array of burgers, if you want to do just a few burgers. So it is a curated, curated curated, burger crawl It's a curated crawl. It is. the one and only Stephanie Mark. Right. And I'm going to pay for burgers with you and your friends and we're going to have beers and all along the way. included? Beers are included. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it up. Uh, and it, I valued it at 300 bucks because I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think we're going to hit, we can probably do four spots is what I'm thinking because literally eating that many burgers is, I would go to six if we did smaller burgers or something like that. Or but I think, them. yeah, like for a night out, a four spot crawl is pretty much, I think, in our limits there. Um, I'm just going to tell you the current bid is $510. But I'm saying this is a this is a monster opportunity to eat a lot of burgers and hang yep. out with me and and who doesn't want to do that? And maybe we'll even talk about it on the radio and I'll say your name and you'll be famous. So, <laughs> what I'm saying is you probably want to get over to this and bid on it now because it stops at noon tomorrow. So there you go. Um one of the things we wanted to talk about in rele- in relation to this actually was the fact that you know, thinking about the way that fundraisers happen across the Twin Cities mm-hmm. and how that's changing. Um, you as someone who is, people often ask you for gift cards and ask you for... Every day. Every day. How often? I mean, how do you pick and choose, I guess, is the question. Well, at the very beginning when we started a kitchen, I laid down some parameters of what our gift give, you know, our giving would go towards, and it was needed to be focused on food and kids, right? So okay. if it was somebody that was outside of those parameters, yeah. I, I would be able to say, you know, this is our charitable giving... Uh, guidelines and so it it falls you know outside of that realm yeah um but yes we get asked every day and restaurants get asked even more oh you know because they're they get asked to do um tables at at these events and hand out food as well as donate to silent auctions and and things like that and the restaurant community hospitality community is happy to do that yeah but it is getting increasingly harder for uh them to do it with the increase in uh wages uh, and paying for all that labor, it's not just they're they're putting something together on their own, and, right. and the chef and owner is handing it out. Yeah, it it still takes the whole kitchen crew and and team and and money to get the ingredients, and it's not a small endeavor. No, you know? they make it look easy. Right. Well, and I think that when we're walking up to a table and there's like, you know, we're at a function, there's 15 tables and you walk up to a chef's table and there's this teeny little bite of thing. You tend to think of it as, oh, this is a great little bite of a thing. And that's simple to you. I I mean, the work that goes into Mm -hmm. creating and especially for events where there's between 500 and nine, you know, a thousand people. Yeah, that's you have to think about it. They're asked to do 500 to a thousand bites and donate and donate all of that. Money. So the the yes. time that it took to make it, and then the time that it took to bring it there, and the ingredients, and then the time to stand there, and on top of all the ingredients. Yeah. So, and a lot of these restaurants do it as a marketing effort. They do it, it as is. like they want to have mm-hmm. FaceTime with people and say, "Hey." And in fact, at Share a Strength at the Hot List that you and I were both at, yep. you know, last month, um, it was great to see like uh, Red Sauce Rebellion, which is an Excelsior restaurant. Mm-hmm. It was great to see the chef there. She was just great, talking people up and saying, hey, have you been to the restaurant? She was using that moment to connect with people. And I hope that that helped. But like, I don't know, you know, and I think that there's we're all going to see a shift 
in the way that this happens because people, the other thing of it is we had a couple people back out because they just didn't have the staff. Correct. They didn't have the people, whether or not it's like paying them to be there, they didn't have the bodies to be able to sacrifice the, to get them to this mm-hmm. place and do it. So, and I think a lot of chefs and owners, you know, they they can volunteer their time, but you can't volunteer your staff's right. time. Right? You can't force so, someone you work with to volunteer their time. Exactly, and that's tough. So that's a little sticky. But how do you, uh, you know, how do you see this going? If if the landscape is going to change, do you have any thoughts on on what that might look like? Well, I just uh, well, I think what's going to have to happen is that. And I mean, coming from an organization at the magazine, when we throw events, we we pay for the food, you know, mm-hmm. so that's going to be a thing where we, you know, if we're having a barbecue event, we pay, we buy their brisk, like all their brisket, you right. know, or we or we get or, or we get, get them a sponsorship. Budget, right? you, get a, you give them like, we'll give you yeah. X number of dollars. Yeah, like we have a three hundred dollar budget yeah. to give you to make your thing yeah. or and then. Yeah, but I mean, it will probably come down to where. And so if it's a charity function, I think we all have to understand that the charities are going to get less money mm-hmm. because it'll cost more to put the event on. Mm-hmm. And the other side of it is or we're going to have to pay more for charitable tickets, which will then drive attendance down. So. It's going to be a sticky situation, I think, that we all just have to kind of watch and really mm-hmm. kind of measure about how that works out. And maybe there are some different ways of thinking it. One of the things that I've heard from chefs is that doing this big sampling event for five to 100 people is harder than to do, for instance, we have Taste, Taste of Our Nation, Nation coming up. Yeah. And this is like one chef has one table with 10 people. And we have 15 chefs or we have 25 chefs mm-hmm. and they each have a 10 top. And so they just have yep. to do a meal for 10. That is way easier and it's a higher value because it is, you can sell a bigger ticket for that because it's an experience. Right. And it's an, and it's a course meal. Like, yeah. so you're getting more for your money. So you don't mind paying more for the ticket. Right. That sort of but thing. But it does cut out the casual charitable supporter. Mm-hmm. You know, I can pay for a $40 ticket, you know, $60 ticket, but I, maybe I can't pay for like 125 Right. And so that again is going to change the way that people see charitable giving and functions and also how we bring in that next generation of givers well, because I'm, you have to do that. I really liked this idea of the online auction. I haven't seen too many yeah. people that open it up to the general public, not just the people that are at the right. event. Right. Um, and I think that is a great way for, you know, uh, somebody that can't afford the $125 ticket. They could still bid on something yeah. online and feel like they're contributing. That's what I like to do. I like to, and when I can't raise my hand for like the trips that are a thousand dollars, I for sure go over to those silent auction tables and I put my name down for stuff. We got to wrap up, but let me just tell you that, uh, that, that the online auction for Gabby's got this. I put the, uh, the link up on the weekly dish Facebook page. It ends tomorrow at noon. Um, and then I got a note that says folks can set up a proxy bid with the highest that they would pay that carries into tomorrow's event. Okay, so they okay. wouldn't get cut out after their but there's, noon bid. There will be about 25 more items at the event. So if you are going to the event, you've already got your ticket, there's there's availability to gift cards and all that kind of stuff. But you can carry that into the next event. So I'm saying let's rack it up and vote for Steph yep. March for Burger Crawl because this is going to be fun. Gabby's got this. Gabby's got this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for hanging with us today. Uh, I do have a great <laughs> story. I have a good story from a friend who texted me. Uh, date story. Because we were talking about bad dinner dates. Bad dates. We actually were just talking about dinner dates. Uh, so here's a story. A few years ago, I had a first date at St. Dinette. I ordered the shishito peppers as a safe order since you never know if the person is a vegetarian. Uh, she looked at them like they were snails, <laughs> tried one, and called them interesting. <laughs> After the terrible date, she texted me her lack of desire for a second date because she felt my culinary instincts were not compatible. Ouch. <laughs> That is tough. 
culinary judged on your culinary instincts. Instincts not yeah. compatible. Not compatible. I haven't heard that one before. That one is a weird thing that you would then say like that's you know <laughs> like that's a weird thing. Well, and I mean, you got to cut the guys. He at least had something he thought about it, you know, being gluten-free and vegetarian and like I think that's pretty cool that he even thought that just to I have know. something when she got there, right? Right. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Way harsh, Ty. Huh? Way harsh, Ty. Way harsh. That's what I'm saying. Um, so lots of great stuff that are, I kind of feel bad for, I was wondering if there's, you know, festivals that got canceled for today or. Well, in farmer's markets, that was not a fun place to be under a tent this morning. No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There was, I mean, I don't even know if you, yeah, you would do it. Would you? Well, they set up this morning. It wasn't raining and then it sort of blew through, right? You know, eight, eight 15. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, here's some cut news around town. Just letting you know, uh, Lenny Russo is maybe leaving town. For I good. saw something about that. He's for sure leaving town. Yes, but he's going to Charleston, South Carolina, to work uh, at the at the restaurants co-owned by Bill Murray and Mike Vick, which is kind An of a interesting fun little team. combo. <laughs> But he's going to Europe before that, right? Yeah, to do some interesting things over there, like I guess teaching. Yeah, he's going to lecture sort of at this eating city summer camp, and it's a really it's a bunch of thought leaders who come together and really sort of brainstorm and try to con- solve problems with urban agriculture and urban food supply systems, and really sort of it's you know kind of like a think tank where they bring all these people in and they discuss and they try to help city planners and mayors and governments around the world really consider how to make their food uh, availabilities, uh, how to systemize food availability sure. so that people in certain areas aren't in food deserts and mm-hmm. so that there's better, more healthy food in more areas. So I kind of love that idea. Good luck to that. He's doing that. Um, letting you know that Rose Street uh, Patisserie has mm-hmm. opened another location and it's super cute, by the way. Well, and isn't it like a, a really nice production facility for them now, too? Yes. Um, so they've opened up. But I mean, the like you're going to walk into the cute little place over by Keg and Case. It's the it's it's the it's not in the food hall. It's next to it. And they still need, in that Schmidt Brewery. Yeah. In complex. the campus. Yeah. They need some signage. But it's uh, they've got a little patio. They've got red umbrellas up and everything else. Really nice. But it's just a, it's just a nice little road street where you walk in and there's a lot of pastries and treats. But here's the great thing. They are offering like sandwiches at lunchtime. Mm. Big baguettes with really good grinder meats. Because, you know, John is a he's a Kentucky boy. He likes his he likes his beefy stuff, you know. But he said he's got uh, he's working with the guys at Knack. Sausage yeah. over in the in Which the market. Which is some great sausage, by they the way. They're so underappreciated, I yeah. feel like, too. Um, but he's got their sausage on, like, a good grinder sandwich. But they've got... Okay, here's the thing I want to tell you about. The other day, I had a French toast from there, from Rose Street. Okay. It was made with laminated dough. Oh. Which is like, when we say laminated dough, that's a croissant. Yes. That's like a layered, flaky thing. Lots of butter. Yeah, but this was a big square. It looked like someone had taken a tesseract of French toast. Basically, if you're a nurse, you know that that's a big cube. (laughs) Um, But it was like, and and I was like, I don't know if I'm up for a big brick of French toast. Like, I don't know if I can do that. And we cut into it, and it was light and as, as ethereal as you would ever believe. Wow. It was a cloud of French toast. Nice. And that's over at Rose Street Patisserie. Did on they serve West it with 7. maple syrup or what they was it? Maple syrup that had been bourbon barrel aged and mm. butter and fruit. Lovely. But what you're saying is what's really fun and interesting is that if you go, if you leave the, uh, 
leave the bakery cafe part, they have uh, installed a whole new production area where their bakers are making bread and doing all the stuff. And you can kind of hang out and watch them. Very and cool. it's the thing that they told me was it was so nice to have windows. I'm sure. Because most bakers be kind of yeah. get, you know, Hinged shoved in, in the, the basement. Back. Yeah. And they start work at 2 a.m. Don't don't get to see this daylight or people. No, no daylight, no people. Um, I don't really know if uh, the um, Anoka Food Truck Fest is happening still. I haven't seen whether.